0: Welcome rugby fans to again another episode here on the Rugby Rant with your run, pass or kick interviews. My name is Ty Braga, your host for today's activities alongside Rob, the Hammer Hamishman and of course, man of the hour. We introduce or reintroduce the second time joining us here on the Rugby Rant is Mr. George Gilbrew, Commissioner to Major League Rugby. George, welcome to the show.
1: Thanks, Hammer. Thanks, Ty. Pleasure to be here.
0: Oh, it's absolutely amazing. Here we are at the end of a season and we are the Major League Rugby Collegiate Drop just around the corner. We're going to dive into all the exciting things from this past season with your help to learn a little bit more, to put a spotlight on some of the great achievements. But before then, I'm going to hand it back to Rob to let you know how the Run Parcel Kick interview works.
2: Ken, thank you so much, uh, Commissioner, for joining the show at an at especially critical juncture just on the back of the season and going into the draft. Um, but it's it's great to have you on. Nevertheless, uh, for those fans who are just joining us for the first time or who forgotten what the run, pass or kick interview is all about, basically it works like this. We're going to pose each question to Commissioner killabrew with run, pass, or kick option. And just like anybody in rugby knows that every rugby player has to have some options in front of them and choose wisely. And so the commissioner is going to let us know whether he's going to run with the question, which is to say he's going to go ahead and answer it. He did a lot of that last time, so he knows how to run with them. Um, or he can say that he is going to pass on a question, and is that is to, to suggest that, in fact, he's not going to answer it. It's a, perhaps too hot a topic. He doesn't want to release some information too soon until it's official. Um, or um he can kick it have a little fun with us put us on the back foot make us work a little bit make us sweat it out and and by the way just for the record i've never seen the commissioner sweat when answering a question you are as polished and as smooth as they come so i don't know if we can get you flustered but we're going to give it a go well i may change it up this time i may surprise you <laughs> I'm,
1: I'm kind of a ball hog so it's kind of been a run kind of theme with me but uh we'll try to mix it up a little bit this time for you guys
2: all Brilliant. right, I like it. I like the spirit there. So um, I'm going to start off with the first question. Obviously, uh, conclusion of the season, on August 1st, in the Coliseum, L.A. Guiltini's win um, fairly handily, right, but in a really fun affair. Great crowd. Run passer kick. How big of a party did the Teenies have after winning the championship? And piggybacking that question, did you drink Gilly's beer in celebration?
1: Yeah, we'll, we'll run with that one. Um, that, that was a great afternoon and early evening for Major League Rugby. Uh, could be our proudest moment. Uh, live on CBS from a storied venue like the L.A. Coliseum. which uh, the game was a bit closer. It was pretty close at the half, um, but... Uh, To answer your your question specifically, the Giltinis threw a couple really nice events right after the game. We did a a meet and greet in the locker room with both teams, Uh, and you're in the USC locker room, so it's the USC football locker room, and some of the the heroes that I watched in American football are are plastered around the circumference of it, Um, and and there was plenty of Gilly's beer. Uh, There was some champagne.
2: So was Uh, that a pun, George? Yes. Plastered?
1: <laughs> yes, and and um, a lot of good speeches. Uh, that dovetailed into a secondary event later that evening. Uh, there was a tertiary event uh, later on the in the off, the, off the party that I that I did not attend. Um, but um, th- you know they're, they're a class organization and they showed it all the way through um, and it was a really as I said, may, maybe one of the proudest moments for major League rugby as far as, being in the Coliseum, being on national television, having a large crowd in the Coliseum cheering on you know, their home team. So pretty special day for Major League Rugby.
0: Absolutely. I think there are many fans out there who would agree that the Coliseum gave it this, this air of uh, legitimacy, credibility to the sport. The broadcast value that came with that arena was fantastic. And as a result, the product of rugby out there certainly delivered as well. So let's dive into the next question, run, pass, or kick. Did the key metrics of overall attendance, viewership, final attendance, and the uh, final MLR championship game viewership in particular meet the expectations for the season?
1: Yeah, I would say so. I mean, it was obviously, obviously a very difficult season. Like when we began, many of our teams couldn't have fans in the stands right? So like our teams on the coast, for example, our team in Seattle, our team in San Diego, our teams in, in, you know, in New York and in, you know, in Boston, some other places, you know, as we started the season because of COVID there were no fans. So, I mean, it's, it's kind of the tale of two seasons, right? So as things opened up and we we're, we we're bringing fans back, I would say the answer to that is yes. Um, and then, you know, from a broadcast perspective, You know, our our final game on CBS, we've seen some preliminary numbers and they far exceed exceed anything we've ever done to a a nice multiplier um, for the two finals that were on CBS in the past. So, you know, I'd say the short answer is yes, although, you know, don't don't get me wrong. It was a very difficult season to start with. We had a team in Toronto, Canada that, you know, had they called me before the season and said, hey, we're going to sit this one out, Kamish, because like we, we have to leave our country. I would have totally understood that. But instead, because that's kind of the DNA that's built up in the system around here, they said, we're going to take our whole rugby operation. We're going to relocate to Atlanta, Georgia. We're going to share Rugby ATL's facility. And we're going to compete. Our team in San Diego had similar kind of you know problems early on. They were going to relocate to Las Vegas. And so, I mean, there were a lot of just really incredible stories of just perseverance where right. the team could have just said, you know, geez... Uh, I'm going to sit this one out or, you know, it's just too tough in my state to compete or what have you. And none of that happened. All 12 teams competed. And by by the way, this is a run. I know I didn't answer the run. <laughs> yeah, we, <laughs> we figured at the- this point, you had the ball, you're on the way to the try line. <laughs> yeah. So a lot of amazing storylines, but you can't consider it like the finest season because of all the problems we had to go through to get there. And so financially, it was a difficult season for many of our teams that couldn't take in local ticket revenue or local sponsorship revenue because they weren't playing the games in front of fans. So a lot of stories, but the culmination um, was the high note, um, you know, and and that's where we sit today.
0: Right. I just love that find-a-way or make-a-way attitude that the MLR certainly has embraced. And Toronto, as you reference, certainly personify that at best, right? Um, But so it resonates through the league. I remember when we go back to the beginning of it all, March 17th, you joined us three days prior to the start of the season. And you had said, well, you know, Ty, a great measurement of success would be just finishing the season. And now here you can boast 99 and zero, uh, you know, never having to be able to, cancel the game uh, due to the COVID impact. And the list can probably go on with those great achievements that we're going to address some of those here. So I don't want to take too much more time as I hand it back to Rob.
2: Absolutely. And, um, you know, interestingly enough, I just want to take a moment to congratulate Bill Webb and the Toronto Aeros for all that they did and making that part of the season happen. I mean, what a fabulous affair. And thank you to Rugby ATL, to Marcus Calloway, the owner, to Scott Lawrence, for uh, chipping in and saying, yep, we're part of it, we'll help We'll help make it happen. So kudos to them. I think they deserve a lot of credit on, on both those teams. So I'm going to move along to the next question. Uh, so run past your kick, what would you consider to be, as we've talked about some of the successes, the biggest success story of the 2021 season? Well, run. I think
1: there are a couple. I mean, 99-0. and 0, um, and I'm not taking any credit for 99-0, and 0, by the way. So that's about protocols. It's about our medical committee, our trainers, our doctors, our teams, our GMs, taking the protocols and taking them seriously. So, like, there, there are a lot of other leagues a little bit more famous than ours that they cannot boast uh, a perfect record. They had to lose games because people broke the protocols. And I think what it says about, first of all, our sport – our teams and our leadership that we already kind of referenced is that everyone took it very seriously. It would have been very easy to say, Hey, I'm a pretty tough rugby guy and COVID doesn't really scare me. And I don't necessarily need to have a mask, blah, blah, blah. But we didn't do any of that. And that's the only reason we got to 99 and 0 and to the finish line is that all of our personnel, all of our stakeholders took it seriously. And it wasn't just, you know, Hey, we hear you, but you know, we're going to take a shortcut here or a shortcut there. None of them did it, you know. And really, the 99-0 mark is is something for the league to be proud of. But really, it kind of says who we are in our in our DNA and in our in our core. You know, we, you know, we're respectful people. Our athletes get it. Our coaches and GMs get it, and they just you know, no one liked these protocols, by the way. If you saw our teams traveling on American Airlines, you would think they were in hazmat suits. I mean, they had the full face shields and they had, you know, and and everyone. Like I said, find a way or make a way, right? (laughs) Yeah, everyone's miserable, but, you know, they did it. We got to the end. So, you know, there were a lot of major accomplishments to answer the question, Hammer, but that one to me is the most significant because we could could have had a, a widespread misstep. And now we're talking about not even getting to the finals and. All sorts of issues that could have come up with that, so and we didn't, we avoided it, and I just give the, the credit to all those involved.
2: And and I just want to take a moment to also um, reflect the fact that when I was down and in, in, uh, March 27th, I was down in NOLA, uh, talked with Tim Falcon quite a bit, and that's one of the one of his big mantras was let let's just find a way through it. It's that you know uh, the DNA of rugby player we're gonna carry on, we're gonna soldier on, we're gonna we're going to beat this, we're gonna get after it, and we're gonna fight all the way through. And I think that mentality across the league from yourself all the way throughout the G, uh, owners and GMs and players uh, really is what made 99 and 0 possible. And I know, and I'll speak for a lot of fans. Thank you. Yeah, well, thank you. It's, uh, as I said, takes a
1: village and it yeah. takes everyone in the village to take it seriously and we did.
0: Right. And uh, that's such an important point. And, you know, moving forward, we hope that that culture stays true. And of course, I'm sure it will with a strong rugby community that is forever growing in the right direction in North America. And let's turn our attention more to what's upcoming. In just a few days, George, we've got the second MLR collegiate draft ever This is continuing that uh, record-breaking methods of getting rugby players to professional rugby, cementing that pathway from college to professional sports with rugby in the United States and Canada. For the first time, we have the ability to now include them too, which is interesting. But I don't want to dive too much further because you're the man who needs to be able to talk about it, not me, right? So let me hand it to you. Run, pass, or kick. The 2021 and second ever collegiate draft is only a few days away. What kind of experience can fans expect while watching this event? Now that it'll be broadcast on both Fox Sports and the Rugby Network.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think it's a, it's a huge step up. If you remember our first ever collegiate draft, you know, we'll we'll give that one a, a C. You know, if we had to grade it, uh, we were doing it in COVID. We couldn't have any of the athletes live it certainly was not carried on uh, FS2 which we will be this time and um, but you know when when we first got here that was the missing link right so you 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 play as a youth and let's just say you excel and you play on the academy level you know there there was a missing link there you you, you went you, you went to college you played collegiately but there was not that moment that kind of north american sports fans really buy into which is watching that completion from youth to professional, and we, we've watched the the great drama and the great theater that is the NFL draft or the NBA draft, where you know a commissioner much more famous than myself stands up and says, you know, with the fifth pick in the NBA draft, the Dallas Mavericks select, you know, and it's a, a major moment for the athlete, right? Because it's the culmination of all their hard work for that opportunity to go from a collegiate player to a professional player. And I thought that was a really important step that we needed to complete. And as you guys know in, in year 1, we had people come out of the woodwork to register for that draft. We had 400 athletes for 24 selections. Um, you know, and, and our numbers aren't going to be like that cuz I think a lot of people realize there's only 24 selections <laughs> may not have the, you know, the chance. To, was not their strong suit at college then. <laughs> well, it was the first year and you never know, right? You know, and uh, so I think we're over 200 or so, which is still an unbelievable number. We've added a round. We've added a team. Uh, you know, so our, our Canadian friends will join us from Toronto. So we'll have 39 selections. Uh, we'll do this from a studio uh, made for television
2: like the big boys. And we're looking forward to it. That's really awesome. And, and uh, you know, it's interesting on the podcast itself as the three of us, had talked before last draft. We had Scott and I had kind of had to explain the draft to Ty, because you know, being born in South Africa, they only know the academy system. And a lot of fans of the league who are foreigners, who do who are expats, I should say, and have come here, kind of are still trying to adjust to this. But for those who are Americans who understand the draft system, we really, really like the draft. It really provides, you know, that great amount of intrigue and it kind of bridges the gap between, okay, we have the final now give us something else, you know, something else to have a little fun with to, to, to what our appetite as we move forward into 2022. So it's good to see. And, and I, and I apologize. I, it, George is the, the man of the hour here, but for fans that want to see some of these kids that we could see this year or next year, check out uh, the national, Sevens championship. There were a few college kids in that program. There were quite a few from Linenwood. Uh Will Chevalier was uh he was the the, the man of the tournament, uh plays for IU. Um, there are some really good players coming up. So pay attention to that. Get a watch, right. go to TRN and check it out. So that's my plug for TRN. And as we talk about some of uh these players, roughly seven of the 24 draftees from last year's draft class. Um, saw minutes with their teams this season in twenty twenty one. Several even played significant th- roles throughout the season. Obviously Andrew Guerrero, rookie of the year, um, you know, guys like uh you know Brian Nolt, and 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 we had uh, Mason Cook and you know a number of these guys um you know Aaron Matthews saw time and we could go on. Um Connor Mooneyham from our Connor um, Mooneyham of, Mooneyham, of Mooneyham, course from
1: but, the AGs of, but, from of from course the, AGs. Yeah, the number one pick in the draft so the the, the exactly. line I'll always remember, you know, with the first pick in the inaugural major league rugby collegiate draft, the Dallas Jackals select Connor Mooneyham. Yeah. Right. That was our first our first line from our first draft. So uh
0: and then yeah. the AGs got lucky. <laughs> with the, yeah, yeah, that's you, it. Me, Mike. <laughs> man. That's the reason why the first pick is so interesting. And again, from an outsider's point of view, who is not traditionally in tune with the draft system, uh, it's an exciting product. And if there's a drama about it, there's an entertainment value that is wonderful as a fan.
2: Sure. And and it's funny. We you, I'm glad you brought up Mooneyham. Uh, cause you know, of course with my Nola gear on, I can't think of anything, but, but my guys down there in new Orleans, N- nevertheless, you know, the first guy drafted had a, a tremendous season, right. Uh, bar a few niggling injuries. So run pass or kick, what are the expectations for this year's draft class? Oh, it's like anything else. The expectations rise,
1: right? You know, it's our second, our second year doing it. And, um, you know, I, I was just getting a briefing before we went on the air because I'm, I'm flying to Austin where our studios are uh, on Wednesday to, to prepare. But um, we have lots of good footage. We're actually flying some of the athletes in that will go most likely in the first round. So instead of having, you know, a Zoom kind of interviews, we were doing them live from the studio. And, uh, you know, I just think it's a, a great a great step for the league. I just think it I believe every one of our first round picks got time. Uh, this last year, um, and and some of our second round picks as well. So, uh, and, and you saw Mooneyham, who who got on Gary Gold's watch list, and and you know um, it just elevates the profile. And I just think um, we'll continue to see that here in year two.
2: And I, I think it set a lot for the draft itself. You know, I there were a lot of doubters last last year, yeah. and I remember seeing that and going, you know, hey, give it a shot. And you know, as sure as a a, a bear uh, drops one in the woods uh i'd say it was yeah. a tremendous well, draft. right rob there was a lot of people
0: you and i know from the chatter and of course through the mlr fan zone too that fans online were were asking the question are these guys going to be really right. professional ready and certainly the doubters uh, are, are less and less and as the years go by as george pointed out the caliber will get greater and stronger in the competition with it so there's it's only an upward trajectory certainly And I also wanted to point out for those of you that are not familiar with the draft and where it's being shown, we mentioned just a moment ago that FS2 will be covering it uh, and then it'll be moving to TRN for the second half. So it will be in two. So you can see the first part of it being on Fox Sports 2. I believe it's uh, 6 or 6.30 p.m. Central Time. Uh, We'll confirm that for you, of course. Uh, and then the remainder of it, you can k- turn over to TRN to catch the last part of that. And we, as the Yarek Birant, will also be covering that in a real-time watch-along experience. Where we'll be giving our analysis in real-time with those picks for you as the fan, a little bit more in-depth look about some of them. So should you want to be able to get catch it there and also get a little bit of greater context from us, have both on, right? Why not?
1: Yeah, sounds great.
0: So, George, I have the opportunity to uh, send the next question your way, run, pass, or kick. This is one talking about the fans of our show that they told us prior to this recording they wanted us to ask this. So, many fans have said to us that they wish teams would not be able to trade their picks with other teams to gain what is considered to be an additional foreign player slot. A lot of fans feel this is not perhaps in the true spirit of the draft. What would you say to those fans? I'll
1: kick it back to you guys. What would you say to your fans?
2: I'll let Robfield this way. Uh, <laughs> um, I think that's what gives uh, particularly the NFL draft the intrigue that it does, right? It's, a, it's that spontaneity. Right, and that spontaneity and the potential for it builds excitement. And don't you want excitement to be a part of the draft? Right, and and I will say that I still remember the excitement built around the fact last year. And of course, I'm probably more sensitive than most to it. But the fact that um, you know we had we had a, a couple of picks traded. Uh, Povy, I think, was the first ever guy that was traded. Yeah. Um, we had uh, um, uh, some draft picks and, and four player spots moved around to pick up JP Duplessis. and of course, Nola moved into two draft picks, uh, one and t- uh, sorry, two and ten, I believe, to pick up Nolt and of course, Andrew Guerra. I mean, that was exciting. Yeah. So, what the <laughs> hell? <Yeah>. I <laughs> think I kind of like having more excitement.
1: Man. Yeah, that's that's what this is about. Plus, if you remember the storylines that went with some of those players. Like the, the number two kid that went to NOLA, remember he had the pet, he had a pet snake, he had some pet <laughs> And he was gonna, and so the, they asked him, like, what are you gonna do with your, I think it was the snake, what are you gonna do with your pet snake? Well, I'm gonna move it down to, to New Orleans with me. It's like those are things as a fan that you can remember and, and it helps you identify with players. And we, we quite honestly don't do a good enough job of storytelling kind of who, Are the players on our teams and what they're about now with social media you get a really good feel about who our guys are if you're digging in but those little opportunities there like i will never forget that you know obviously we're doing it via zoom and he said i'm gonna bring my i think it was a pet snake it could be an emu it could have been a (laughs) cow. i'm not gonna correct you because i don't know the right answer but a pet snake sounds about right (laughs) i'm not even i don't even think it was a snake i think it was a four-legged animal of some such emu, llama, something. It's like, oh yeah, I have this pet llama and I'll be moving it down to New Orleans. I'm like, that's now stuck in my mind. Like, like, like where are you from and what position you play is Kind of Whatever never makes it
0: memorable, but fans are looking for ways to be able to connect with, as you say, right. with the story, and the stories are very powerful because their journey is so unique in rugby. It's never existed in this manner before. Um, so for them to be to be drafted and then to 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 oh, we were just using Mooneyhan as an example. Here's a guy who was signed as the first pick. We thought he was going to Dallas. A twist of fate sends him across to the AGs where he becomes a superstar overnight as uh, as a draftee. So these, these tales are exciting and they're constantly evolving for me, as I said, not used to a draft format. I find the unpredictable nature so intriguing and it's what's alluring to me.
1: Two things about that. So, you know, I've been a big proponent of wearing your last name across the back of your jersey. Mm. Yep. Yeah which is not really, you know, there, there's a lot of people in rugby that, that disagree and say this is a team game, not about the individual, but I'm about kind of creating stars and creating, you know, athletes that children can follow. I'm down in an AG game, and I look over, and there's these eight kids leaning on the thing, yelling Mooneyham. First of all, it's a weird name. It's kind of like Killerbrew, like, you know, like <laughs> yelling because it it's weird. Um, but that's what it's about. You know, and I, I will tell you, I think his rise, uh, not only just being the number one pick, but then getting on Gary Gold's watch list and things like that. Mm-hmm. You know, people have to know that his name in order to, to chant his name. And I think that's a really big deal. And and that's where storytelling and and wearing your name on the back of your jersey makes it a little easier on fans that maybe aren't, you know, as in tuned as maybe the three of us are. And then what also what I would tell you is, these athletes are the most marketable athletes I've ever been around, bar none. You talk to an Adam Ashley Cooper or a Matt Gitto, you talk to any of these players that have come across, a Chris Robshaw or whatever, they're as well-spoken, as intelligent, as articulate about their game of any athlete I've ever been around. And that's you know a bunch of years in the NBA, et cetera. So we have got to do a better job of not just us knowing this, conveying that to all of our fans through television, through the rugby network, through interviews, because they're outstanding. And then after, you know, we had to shut it down last year, and we paid them all like we played a full year. They all reached out to me one way or the other, social media or what have you, and said, you know, thank you for doing that. Not that it was my money, by the way, it was our board of governors <laughs> that voted to do that. And then secondly, they said, whatever I can do to help you market and sell this league, I'm willing to do which tells you like you have a willing person on the other side that is playing at the highest level they're playing at the highest level. And you know, they're, they're, they're giving it all for their teams, but they're still willing to do all the interviews and things like that to help grow the league. And when they get in front of cameras, they're unbelievable. They're unbelievable. I watched Matt Gitto as man of the match say, the question was something to the effect of where does this rank in your career? And he said, at the very top. Yeah. Yeah the very top this team that i played with was my favorite team i've ever played with and this ranked it th- so i'm like you know we are doing the right things here and guys like Gitto and cooper they're training the younger guys you know the, the mooney hands and the guettas um just really really bright future but we've got to do a better job as a league to to expose these players and tell their stories better so drafts help you long long winded answer to that trn helps you fox helps you cbs helps you
2: you know, I like to A funny story. Uh, now that you mentioned the names across the back, George. You know it, that isn't a very rugby thing, right? But um, and obviously the AGs are the only team that does it. Interestingly enough, before was it last season or twenty nineteen? ATL did a really cool thing where they were doing jerseys, right? And they had um, you know the players' number, uh, and I remember specifically a number one with Chance Waglewski, and of course my connection to Lindenwood. I'm like, you know. I might just get one of those jerseys. Now, keep in mind, I will never wear a rugby ATL piece of gear as a NOLA fan because we all know what <laughs> NOLA stands for. But I would, I would buy and wear that simply because of my association, my 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 um, connection with Chance, right? And I, I think that's you know a, a real good opportunity merchandising wise to, to help people connect that would not run afoul of rugby tradition,
0: you know. And yeah, the, honestly, we, that's where I feel that rugby can learn from the U.S. sporting landscape because yeah. there are lessons. I mean, rugby across the globe is now finding more interesting ways to connect with their audiences and, of course, tap into new audiences as well. Uh, so these are relevant points that, that you know, why couldn't you take what's already a great example of what works here in the U.S.? Because it's rugby in the U.S. and Canada. So, yeah, it's, it's a great overlap.
1: Oh, we're, we're getting there, guys. Trust me. We got eight mascots in this league now. <laughs> right. we, we introduce our teams to music now. Yeah, we do right. pyrotechnics now. We have halftime events now. We have, you know, our hydration breaks are filled with contests on the field. We're playing music over play now. Now it's a balance, right? You know, we don't we're not trying to just turn it into a, a three ring circus, but all the teams are realizing, and the team you're wearing right there, Ty went from the outhouse to the penthouse, right? If you remember <laughs> last year, oh we opened up on FS2 and there was about 25 people in that stadium. And I'll never forget it because a friend of mine who's the, the, the director of sports marketing for Budweiser was watching and he texted me, he said, good job, Kamish, great showing in Austin tonight. There's nice. no one in the stands. You fast forward to this year, they had over 3,500 at their final game. They they built their attendance all the way through. And it's all with entertainment and explanation of the game using their video boards, using their crazy sideline announcer, wearing (laughs) is now a household word. I've been I've been saddled with Noxie my whole career because he was (laughs) rangers, you know, being the man in the stands when the Texas Rangers weren't very good and he's trying to drum up, you know, some interest in the telecast. So like we get these kinds of things, and other teams have taken have taken mention. You know, they're, they're paying attention. You know, we saw Utah introduce their mascot, Koa. We saw the New England Free Jacks have a new mascot as well and a new home, by the way, that they played their final game in. So we should talk a little bit about stadiums and upgrades. But, you know, everyone's kind of getting that, you know, there is no competition for professional rugby in North America mm-hmm. to us. I like, remember you
0: saying no that at the beginning yeah. of the season when we last had you, and the other word you used was rugby-tainment as a focus.
1: Yeah, and it's, you know, there is no other competition. It's not like lacrosse where there are other lacrosse leagues trying to beat one another in North America. We're the only one. But now we have to use rugby-tainment and all, and all those things that we were just talking about to be interesting to those that aren't maybe caring as much about the rugby. So, you know, if you your family of four or five or six or your friends or whatever that are sitting around, maybe one or two are really into rugby, but the other four don't care. But they, So we have to have things for them. We have to have great music. We have to explain the game in a non-threatening manner. We have to have entertainment. We have to have mascots. We have to have pageantry. We have to have team introductions like North American fans are used to when they go to an NHL or an NFL or a, a pro football game. And and we're starting to do that. And the nice thing about our teams is they're open-minded. They're all looking around at who's doing it best. But the the real results are with people in the stands. And so you see a story like Austin that went from really just irrelevance to being a top-quarter team. Well, geez, what changed? Rugby didn't change, guys. Rugby didn't change. The experience at those games changed. And people took notice, and they started coming.
2: Absolutely. Absolutely, um, and and again with this year's draft, uh, we expect to see this entertainment value go up, especially with the, you know, celebration of young players coming into the league from uh, the collegiate ranks. And I want to you know go back to the draft just a little bit before we move forward, George. There was reported to be uh, one hundred sixty-eight. I think you mentioned somewhere closer to two hundred draftees in this year's MLR draft class. One hundred nineteen of these are recognized as having a USA origins. This leaves uh, the remainder either being U.S. eligible or foreign player uh, designated. Um, Run, pass, or kick, will the league now or in the future allow teams to pick non-domestic players without having to give up foreign player spots? So I've been an advocate of this for a while, saying, okay, if you plied your trade in the collegiate ranks for three or four years, that it won't count against a foreign player spot because you've been in the country for four years playing rugby. Right. Yeah, we're you know it's all on the table right now. This is only year two. You know, we, we want to take it
1: and, and turn it into an event, which our partners at Fox have helped us to do. You know, those are all things that, that we're discussing behind closed doors, and you know, we'll we'll come out with kind of what the protocols will be. But you know, to me, it's 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 just it just shows that there the interest is there. Like I was really worried last year that we would have 24 names in the hat. <laughs> I was dead serious because I just didn't know. As you guys know, I don't I don't know the sport as well as you guys know, and I really asked our people. I said, "I'm and I'm for this draft for all the reasons that I've told you." But let's not embarrass ourselves. Yeah, I was assured. No, no, no. And you, you've already, by the way, Hammer given Lindenwood three plugs. Just so you know. Yeah, know. You know, three times. Oh, more, no, more no, 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 I don't know. He's got some backdoor deals going on here, yeah,
2: George. You know, we got to be fair. You know, there are other universities in the country too. <laughs> really? You know, yeah, there are a few. Oh, oh yeah, IU. I mentioned them. I did mention them. Um, hey, by the way, uh, you're welcome to use uh, name the rule, the hammer rule, whenever it comes into effect. I, I give you the license.
1: I, I usually, <laughs> I,
2: I try to use the questions to
1: my benefit as well, hammer. So <laughs> that's okay. I'm in touch with that emotion, as they say. But uh, yeah, I mean, we're, we're ecstatic. Like I, I was, I was blown away. There was 400 plus last year. Um, Like I said, I was just I wanted to make sure we could get through two rounds and I was assured, and but it really tells you about the collegiate product. Yeah. So if you look at it kind of in an inverse triangle, I kind of wish it was the other way. I wish we were so deep at the youth level, and then we're a little less deep at the academy level, and we're a little less deep at the collegiate level. It's actually the invert. So we're so deep at the collegiate level. And we're doing fine on the academy level, but we're, where we really need to step up our game is we need more kids playing this game Needs of vis soccer in this country. Um, so that, that's where we sit, but excited for the draft. Can't thank FS2 enough for thinking enough about us to, to turn this into a little show. And so please follow along if you can.
2: 100%. We're And going to take a moment to celebrate one of our sponsors here at the Rugby Rant. Ed Brewing Company is Chicago's premier location to watch rugby and enjoy quality ales and lagers for all seasons. Located in Mundelein, Illinois, in the heart of Lake County, owner Bruce Durr and the Tidehead staff will ensure you are kept well hydrated so you don't miss a single scrum. Tidehead's room is like the familiar rugby clubhouse in which friends and teammates can meet, socialize, and enjoy the wide variety of brews on tap. And they're going to be having some replays of the rugby championship of, of course, USA Canada Rugby World Cup qualifiers. We've got the Women's World Cup coming up. So they're going to be playing all these. So, Chicago, when you want rugby, Tighthead Brewing Company will satisfy your thirst. Tighthead, it's worth more than a try. Um, speaking of Tighthead, real quick, um, you participated in a rather illustrious championship just right there at the end of the season. Um, tell us about your experience. What was your favorite brew? Well, it's like asking you, who's your favorite kid?
1: I <laughs> can't really answer that. Right. So, yeah, we did a really cool beer tasting event. I did it with Marty Turco, who's a NHL goaltender, won a Stanley Cup, you know, Dallas Stars and just a, he's and he also owns his own brewery in Canada. So he and I did a little tasting. We had all our teams send in their their beer. And now the reason we couldn't just rank them is that we had you know, we had some Hefeweizens, we had some IPAs, we had some lagers. So it's kind of like apples and oranges. But we found good qualities in all of them and really had a good time kind of comparing and contrasting all the different offerings from all of our teams. So, uh, yeah. What well, we so, you have, George? Yeah, stop. Somebody <laughs> <laughs> had to do it. Yeah, Uh-oh. you couldn't compare, but did you have a favorite? Well, of course, I had a favorite, but I'm not going to tell you that's a total pass. You know, we
0: got a kick and we got a pass so far. We're, we're doing well this time around. Which Rob, is rare for wrong. me. I
1: know. I know that's rare for me. But, you know, after we got it, we, we cut it all up into 13 little bits so all the teams could use them, you know, on their own social media channels. And then everyone called me after and said, no, seriously, like, what was your favorite? Seriously. Yeah. <laughs> All
0: right, George, let's turn our attention uh, to some other stuff rugby related. Uh, So this past season was obviously, as you pointed out, with challenges, many of them, which uh, almost all, I'm sure you can, everybody would agree, did a great job to overcome. But let's uh, let's dive into this next question. Run, pass or kick? Obviously, the COVID concerns resulted in a March 20th start date as opposed to the traditional earlier dates. Uh, for the 2021 season. What are some of the key dates on the MLR calendar in which fans can expect critical news to roll out, including the start of the 2022 season?
1: Yeah, I'll run with that. Uh, you know, I think we'll get back to more of a traditional model and we'll try to be done by July the 1st. You know, we had, you know, having to lose, you know, I think we lost 57 players in the in the test window, which is right. good news and bad news. First of all, that's 20% of our workforce was asked to go and play at the highest level for their country, um, which is awesome, right? Now, having them have to leave, you know, a couple teams, including Kai, the jersey you're wearing, lost – they were in a playoff hunt trying right. to get into the top two um, and lost, you know, significant players, you know, to the test window. So we're – you know, our, our goal is to, to not do that again. That was really hard on those players that had to go away. And a couple of them reached out to me and said, I feel like – I kind of abandoned my team in a very important part of the season, and I'm hoping that we don't have to do that again. So, you know, our, our intent is to
2: be done, you know, for the test window. So we'll get back to more of a traditional uh, time frame. And yeah, not to mention that it's, you know, hotter than a five-cent horn nickel night down there in NOLA in, in the middle of July, too. So, you know, probably ought to avoid that, right? Um, So let's move forward. And we have a lot of fans writing in, uh, just interested in getting some information out there. We'll try to to share some of that with fans. Um, But we want to move forward and continue again to talk about what's on the horizon. And the lead up to the 2021 season, Dallas was a surprise exit having been hailed as one of the expansion teams expected uh, for the 2021 season. Run, pass, or kick. Will the Dallas Jackals compete in the 2022 season as expected, or could we see them uh, push back their start to 2023? Oh, no. We're, you know, well, first of all, let's get the record straight here. Uh, So,
1: Dallas was an original seven. That's true. That's true. People may not know that. And they just haven't been able to get it together until now to play. But we announced that on CBS from the finals that, you know, they're in, they're a, a full card carrying dues member paying. Uh, member of Major League Rugby, as we sit today. We're ecstatic. You know, uh, the operator there, the team president's a guy named Scott Sanju, who's been in sports his whole life. Um, just a great operator. Neil Liebman, who's the president of the Texas Rangers baseball team, is the lead owner for that group now. They will play uh, in the, the old Texas Rangers stadium, Globe Life Park. You know, They built a new one right next door. And so the old one is being used for rugby and college football and usl soccer and other events uh so we're ecstatic you know they're in uh they paid their dues and we're, we're we're ready to go with the dallas jackals
0: yeah and there's a lot of fans that are excited to be able to uh to be able to see their team take the field for the first time and of course hopefully and i'm sure it will be worth the wait right um and, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's wonderful to be able to see the expansion continuing. And we're going to dive into a little bit more about those topics in just a few moments. Uh, so let me share the next question here. Uh, when you, sorry, you mentioned run past the kick the nature. You mentioned in a recent interview for the, uh, for the Guardian that Chicago was in the league's sights. Can fans expect a Chicago-based expansion team or at least a Midwest franchise for 2023?
1: Yeah, I, I think I see no reason. Um, you know, Chicago is an interesting city that we've had three or four groups approach us about putting a team in Chicago. Normally the way it goes is a city, and I can name eight or nine of them that we were talking to. It's usually one group in that city trying to make it happen for that city. Um, but Chicago, because we know that that's a city that's set up for success. Like We know the fans are there. We know that the club programs and the academy programs and the collegiate programs are, are all hitting on all cylinders there. So it's just a matter of time. We want to get it right. We want the right group. We want the right stadium. We want the right management. We want the right commitment to youth and academy rugby. And so that will happen for Chicago at some point. I hate to put a time frame on it, but you know, and then in the Midwest, you know, there's cities like St. Louis, there's cities like Kansas City yeah. um, that have great rugby traditions um, that are all talking to us, you know, and and so hopefully, you know, we, we will be announcing those, you know, systematically over the next few years. And, you know, we've talked about a lot. If we can add one or two teams to this league on kind of the runway to a World Cup bid, you know, let's just mm-hmm. say, you know, we all know that the U.S. is, you know, a candidate for 2027 and 2031. So, in either of those scenarios, we're either a 10 year old league or a 14 year old league. And if we add one or two cities on the way to that runway, you know, we're a 22 team league or a 32 team league, just depending on how quickly we expand. So, cities like Chicago, Kansas City, St. Louis, in the middle of the country, in the Midwest, are all ripe candidates to join Major League Rugby.
2: George, that's music to my ears because I'm living in Chicago. family here, and then I also have family in St. Louis, and uh, I make that jog back and forth between Chicago and St. Either way,
0: you're blessed. Like, I'm blessed. The I'm gonna game a of games,
2: loads of weekends of MLR rugby. Uh, my wife might not love me anymore, but... Um, yeah. <laughs> Well, I you, well, well, yeah, in yeah. South
1: Africa for you, two, just to keep
2: <laughs>
1: off. I'm, I'm kidding. We are not speaking to anyone in South Africa. So yeah, no yeah. We're just like, rewind, rewind.
2: I don't want everybody to start stoking the fire with this thing. Yeah. <laughs> so, so we were, you know, on this note of expansion, and this is a piece that I really think it's important for a lot of listeners to understand because some questions come up in the MLR fan zone about this. And I think it's important for uh, the league, yourself, to – and for us to help them understand, uh, we often feel questions from fans regarding expansion, such as, when will we see a team in Ohio or Miami, right? Uh, expansion requires a significant commitment from investors. So, Run Pastor Kick, what message can you send from both uh, send to both potential investors and the fans that the league is both here to stay and a smart investment?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. I and mean, I'll run with it. Um, Had a, a, a call today with the group out of Ohio. I think what happened is a lot of people thought we weren't going to get through this year. Yeah. A lot of people that are watching us from an expansion standpoint. And when they watched us operate all the way through the year and get to the finals on CBS, I think it stoked the fire because I've had more calls since the finals, really, than I've had, you know, in, in recent time. So All those cities are in play. There's groups in Miami. There's groups in Ohio. There's groups or group in Sacramento. We've talked about the three Midwest cities. We've talked about Honolulu a bit in the past. We've talked about Mexico in the past. They're all out there. Vancouver. Um, So now it's a matter of timing. And so, like, we don't want to force a group into joining our league that's not quite ready to join. It takes time. Look at Dallas dallas helped start this league one of the guys that was running dallas wrote the operations manual for this league four years ago so sometimes you just got to take the time to check all the boxes and the boxes are to remind people we we want financially sound groups you know we want well capitalized groups that know that maybe we're not making a profit on day one But our franchise values are going to grow. We have this runway up to the World Cup for the U.S., and things are just going to continue to be good for North American rugby. We want great stadium plans. You know, a couple of our teams are hamstrung right now. They're playing in facilities that are too small. And, And one of our teams, one of our most successful teams on the commercial side is Seattle. They sell all the tickets to all of their games. The problem is the stadium's a bit small, so they're working on a solution to get a bigger stadium. So we want great stadium plans. We want management to have run sports franchises in the past. We want sports, American sport, DNA in the front office. Not necessarily on the rugby side, on the business side. We want people that understand why it's important to sell tickets. Why is it important to sell local sponsorships? Why is your local broadcast partners important? Why do you have to be a good community partner? Why do you have to have a good merchandise plan? So we don't want people starting from scratch we want professionals that have done this at some level populating these these franchises and lastly we want a great youth rugby plan how are we going to grow rugby in these communities together so those are kind of the things we're looking for
0: yeah and it's fantastic to be able to hear that because it gives confidence I would imagine to the fans to know that the, there is a, 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 you know, this process and you got to check those boxes because it's about the longevity of the league. You want the best partners on that journey with you. Um, And while there's a lot of interest out there, uh, that's only good
1: news, right? Totally good news. And then if you want to comp, if you want to look at something that you want to point at it's major league soccer, we just turned 25 years old. We just turned on our way to turning five years old. You know, their franchises are selling for $250 million if you want to get in. And you have to build a soccer-specific stadium to the tune of another $250 million. So you're in at half a billion dollars, you know, before you play a game. Um, And, and, you know, we we talk about that a lot. We we, we admire them. Like, that's a sport that got to this country that everybody said, we don't play that sport. No thanks. You know, it's a sport that is loved internationally, similar to our sport. Um, so, you know, the parallels are right there for us and it's, 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 a good thing to watch, but you know, um, they're, they're living it in real time. That's, those are the numbers they are getting at age 25. And as we turn five years old, you know, we're,
2: we're making those steps as well. So what you're saying is the MLR is a quality and smart buy right now. You use the word investment. Yep. That was your word, not
1: mine. Um, and I, what I would tell you is that is the right term, because if you're thinking, geez, you know, I'm going to jump in this thing and turn a profit in year one, you're in the wrong business. Yeah. If you want to be about growing this sport in North America on a possible runway to a World Cup in this country, and if you look at franchise values in, in all the leagues, all the major leagues, they've really done nothing but go up. And I, I lived one firsthand. I, I watched Mark Cuban buy the Dallas Mavericks at around $275 million. And today it's worth $2.2 billion plus in 20 short years. Like So you, you have to be patient and you have to, and you look at some of these original seven and you have a, a great example in New Orleans. You look at Tim Falcon and his family, what they have done there and they have done it the right way. I, I was asked today by a group, we're in seven of the 10 biggest markets in the United States as measured by Nielsen. So there are only three that we're not in that are in the top ten, and I'll help you. Philadelphia, Chicago, San Francisco. So the question was, well, I guess that's what you're trying to fill now. And I said, not necessarily. I said, one of our best teams, our best run teams, is in one of our smallest markets. And that's in New Orleans, Louisiana. And the reason they're having this success is they started four years ago. And they're getting better and better and better each year, which is how you build sports franchises. It's not just a click on the lights and you're an overnight success. It's hard work. It is selling season tickets, which no one likes to talk about. It's 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 a mundane process, but it is so important. And you watch in the early years, New Orleans had five hundred, then eight hundred, then twelve hundred. That's how you do it. There is no magic dust that all of a sudden you open your doors and you're sold out because the whole community loves rugby. It's not how it works. It's hard work and New Orleans done it.
0: That's i feel like i should now find a few million spare to get in because that was an incredibly inspiring tale there
1: it's going like take it. a little more than that time but
0: okay yeah yeah a few more look it's a start i gotta get 25 more of me <laughs> but let's let's uh, take a moment to step away from that just for a short bit and talking about investing i want to remind those viewers at home that one of our newest partners here on the rugby rant is Can I Brands. Can I Brands is one of those great CBD plant based products that is helping you mend, refresh, revitalize, and whether it be to be able to catch a few extra Z's at night, they've got. Something for you, and you can find out more about them at canibrands.com. The one I'm sharing with you now is called Can I Boost? So, if you think uh, of the shows that we do, uh, uh, George pointed out that it's late in the evening. We, we do thank you for joining us, George. Um, this is the one that you want Can I Boost? A little bit of a caffeine kick. Yeah, eight drops under the tongue tongue will uh, get you going that's for sure uh, and to be able to refresh i choose the fresh one this is an easy oral spray again eight pumps and it certainly helps you relax get a little bit more mellow whether
2: it be the boost that you need or revitalize or as rob enjoys the sleep right yeah well we I, we just we had our first full day of school today and so man i was i was jazzed up last night and i couldn't sleep so i w- wait a minute He'd use a Can I Sleep? Eight pumps, boom, slept like a baby, was ready to go for the next day to, right, exactly. to, to tackle the kids. Oh, wait a minute, I can't tackle kids to direct <laughs> their needs. <laughs>
0: so, we wanted to be able to remind everybody who's watching go and check out kenibrands.com, check out their online store. Everything you put in your basket is going to get 25% off your total order value when you use the promo code RANT. 25 and again that's rent 25 for 25% off anything in that cart best part of all you pack whatever you want inside there the total value is over $49 you can get your shipping free as well with rent 25. Thank you for that opportunity George. You know how it goes, you got to pay the bills.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Love it man. That's my that's my background. Yeah. <laughs> I haven't even mentioned Geico or Guaranteed Rate or American Airlines yet so you know. So that was going to be my
0: next question because <laughs> you, you just mentioned it now. So where is it? Okay. So Here we go. I'm going to find it, especially for you, Rob. I'm going to steal your one. That's okay. So run, parcel, kick. Obviously we know it's run as we get closer to the end here. There are some important stuff to touch on. Corporate sponsorships was a major feather in the cap for major league rugby and for you and the league. Most recently, this included big names like Geico and American Airlines. What are some of the projections for 2022? And again, what do you attribute these successes from 2021 to the partners that we've taken on?
1: Well, you know, what we learned is we we had no cash paying sponsorships last year before we kind of got here and got into it. We had some VIK deals with very great partners, by the way, Paladin, Rhino, you know, we need those kinds of things, balls, kits, but we didn't have anyone, you know, paying the bills. And we added 10 cash paying sponsors this year. Um, and I really just attribute that to just going out and, and asking, you know, and, and then kind of being realistic, knowing we're not going to get maybe NFL or NBA numbers from some of these companies, but Hey, just, you know, if you, if you're part in the pun, give us a try and maybe it's not a seven figure deal this year, maybe it's, you know, something else, but, you know, we want to prove to you that we're worth it. And we, we did that and we were able to get, you know, some fortune 500 brands, some iconic brands like Geico and guaranteed rate. and then you know even some outside of the U.S. like Wintergreen you know jumped on board in a in a cash kind of kind of sponsorship relationship with us. So you know that's just the beginning. You know you you, you crawl and you know you walk and then you run and sprint. But you know we're we're still crawling a bit and maybe we're gonna we're gonna get on our, our two feet and run a little bit this year and and all that happened during COVID, you know which was was really incredible and. So, you know, we thank obviously all of the the brands that jumped on with us. We wanted to make sure we were a good value. So like, you know, when we asked for X amount and they came back with X minus whatever that they're willing to do, we said, okay, we're good with that. You know, we want to earn our stripes a little bit. We want to prove to you that your investment in us is worth it. And I think we, as far, far I can tell from talking to them kind of after the finals and everything, we've done a good enough job where I think they're all going to be coming back in some form or fashion. Hopefully we can, chip some of them up a little bit, add some new ones to the, the, you know, to the roster and just keep going.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. I love that. And as you said, just, it's a great place to start. You continue building that partnership for hopefully years to come. Uh, and they certainly are names that are bring a sense of credibility to the league as well, uh, which is, as I said, a great feather in the cap.
1: Yeah. I mean, you look at American airlines, you know, they, they ran a, a nine page, article about Major League Rugby in American Way magazine. That's true. I remember that, yeah. By the way, they've, they've done away with, so there is no more American Way. I think we were the final month. But uh, I am you know, oh, wow. stuck on an airplane going, hey, hey, I'm reading your article. What's going on here? Like, you know, they, they charge, you know, big, big numbers to advertise in that magazine because it reaches so many people.
0: Right. They did a
1: beautiful spread on Major League Rugby. And it's just, so it's not just the money that comes in. It's, it's the ability to have some of these companies help you. Activate the brand, um, and that's really key. And you know that, that was an example of one that if we didn't have that partnership. You wouldn't have that. They they tweeted at us on opening weekend saying, "Good luck to Major League Rugby. It's your opening weekend." You know they have millions of followers. Mostly are mad because a plane's been delayed or something. It's like when there's something positive, they take note. And you know, they, you know, so it's it's not just about the cash that they can invest in you. It's it's ways that they can bring it to life. You know, Wintergreen sent every one of our players a gift basket with all of their products in it, you know, and at a very high expense. Um, you know, so it's it's not just what what are they
2: paying for the rights, it's what else they will do on your behalf. Yeah. Right. And and of course, you know, one of the key partners in this process, of course, is the Rugby Network. And I just want to touch upon this because it's, you know, is interwoven in between a lot of the questions we talk talk about sponsorship and we talk about, you know, investment in the league and expansion, et cetera. We talked about the USA National Sevens uh, Club Championships for both men and women, which were on the network, by the way, and are still there. So go check it out. Um, But at the moment, the Rugby Network is free. So Run, Pass, or Kick, what are the future plans for the Rugby Network, and do these include methods of monetization?
1: Yeah, eventually. Run. I'll run with it. Um, you know, we, were, we partnered with the Rugby Pass on this, and, you know, the Rugby Pass succeeds in, in rugby all over the world, except in one place, North <laughs> America. So, you know, they had no presence here, and they said, you're here, well, let's do something together. So we, we formed it. Uh, we, we own it. We own it fully they operated for us you know we we asked them to define success for us they said you know in that first year if you get 25,000 or so people to sign up you're you're doing well and we ended up with about 42,000 before this weekend we'll get the numbers tomorrow after this weekend so we know we're doing the right things we're doing the right things not just about our content but it's all this other content we can bring to the table all these shows that are out there around rugby now can have a home you know at the rugby network it's free Like we mentioned, at some point, we will have to monetize it. We'll probably charge something, probably not this next year, Um, but we will also sell advertising uh, at some point on it. And when the critical mass is there and it's worth something. Um, But we, we know it was definitely the right thing to do. Before the Rugby Network, we were the ugliest client on ESPN's offering, we'll say, or other people's offering. We're getting no promotion, no PR, no marketing. And now and then the other thing what it's done And this is coming from some of the international players that have come back to me and said, listen, all the guys I've played with my whole career are watching the rugby network. And they're saying three things. One, the quality of play in Major League Rugby has come up leaps and bounds since year one. The quality of the coaching in Major League Rugby has improved and the quality of officiating in Major League Rugby has improved. And then they're saying, how do we get there? How do do we come over? you know, make us an intro, you know, to one of the teams because, you know, a lot of these guys just wanted to come to the U S you know, let's face it, we're getting guys, you know, we're not getting the guys that are, you know, their careers about to take off. We're kind of getting the guys who have been great and still want to go a few more years. Um, and they're big names. They've captained their country's world cup teams, but they literally wanted to come over and spend some time in the United States and they have never done it before. And when you kind of interview some of those guys and talk to them about their experience, they say all those things that I just said, and they said, I said, I always ask them, "How was it for you?" And they talk about their families, or their wife, or their young children that came over and got to spend, you know, several months in the United States. And it's, you know, it's, it's part of the kind of the, the calling card for Major League Rugby for those players.
0: Oh yeah, absolutely, and the rugby network, um, you know, making it so accessible in the way that it is. Is so brilliant because, as you said, it's about getting eyes to be able to tune in, to be able to enjoy the rugby product. The quality is getting greater and greater. You know, I think back to an interview that we did with you the first, you know, before the season started, and you said, well, you know, Ty, we've been renting our home. Now we own it. Yeah. Uh, and that is so true with the rugby network and the room that it has to grow is I'm sure only going to add more value to the rugby community in North America as more is included on that platform, including the Rugby Rant podcast, which is has a happy home at the rugby network each and every friday you can tune in to see another great rugby debate from myself rob and scott and with a guest rant who battle it out each week for top honors to call themselves the champ of that rant so again that's every friday make sure you tune in to watch another great episode of the rugby rant under the handle at rugby rant pod online or on the rugby network George, as we have come close towards the end of our time, I believe we have one last question that needs to be uh, shared, and this one is put in the fans first. So, run, pass, or kick, there is incredible support for Major League Rugby across North American communities, rugby communities, of course. As we head out of this interview, tell us, what can they do to help Major League Rugby and the sport continue to grow across the nations?
1: You know, I've said this a couple times. I have never seen an example of fans that are more supportive of this league than any of the other stops I've been. Usually when you read Instagram or Twitter or Facebook, fans of other leagues are usually taking shots at their league. Like, why aren't you guys doing this? And you guys aren't good at this. If you read our comments, I have never seen an approval rating as high as we have right now. And so what I think about that is that they want to be a part of this journey. Now, you can nitpick. There, there are a lot of things we're not doing perfectly. I, I can promise you that. But they choose not to. They take the high road and they say things like you just said. What can we do to help you? How great was that final from the Coliseum? How wonderful was the telecast on CBS? Now, you don't. I'm telling you, go pay attention to some of the more well-established leagues and the comments that are on their sites. And I'd say 50% of them are negative. 50% of them are criticisms. There's none. I, I, I challenge you. Go to our Twitter, our Facebook page, our Instagram, and look for a negative comment. Now, of course, there's going to be one or two. But even if it is, it's usually asked in a way where it says, hey, geez, I noticed this. You know, Can we get better at this? Like, They're not, they're not railing on you. And I, 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 it's a, it blows my mind. It is a phenomenon because I, I've lived it in my other kind of jobs where fans use those platforms to criticize right. and tell you what you're doing wrong. Not in this case. I've yeah, never it, about How
0: you use that voice. Social media does give them a voice. And in this case, it's so positive, uh, so nurturing. And as you say, if there is a criticism, it's usually uh, to try and draw out a positive uh, out of it, you know, and so it's, it's wonderful to hear you say that and that the league is taking note of the fans' contribution.
1: So now you have to harness them and really point them in the right direction. So from our team sites where you're having all this positivity, it's like, hey, bring your friends to games, buy season tickets. Do you know any companies in the area that can help us kind of move the needle a little bit on sponsorships? Tune in to the Rugby Network. Tune in to Fox and CBS. So harnessing all this positivity, but we, we can't survive on the numbers we're at. Right. We need to like. So I just saw some stats on our kind of year end report. And I know we have to wrap up. But year over year, last our last full year, our social platforms are up like 70 percent today where they were two years ago. So, like, you know, they're liking the the content. You know, we're growing exponentially, but we got to continue to grow exponentially. We have to attract new fans. We have to take the
2: fans that are so positive right now and put them to work on our behalf. Hey, Rick, uh, I just want to jump in here, um, and, and George and I, I want to take something that re- you said that resonated quite a bit with me, and we talked about the Dallas Jackals. One of the Dallas Jackals' biggest fans is our friend of the show, Rick Collins. Rick, we know you're probably going to be watching, if not right now, later on. One of the things that Rick did, and a lot of fans can do this as well, is buy, if you're, if you're only going to buy yourself a ticket, buy another season ticket. Yeah, And then invite a different friend who has never been involved in rugby to join you at a game. Make a new fan because that's what we're all about here at the, at the Rugby Rant Podcast is growing the game one fan at a time. And that's one of the ways in which fans at home can do it. Buy an extra season ticket and bring somebody to the game that's never been to one and give them an opportunity to experience what George talked about down in Austin and all the rest of the uh, the, the MLR cities, uh, they have a great product and give your friends an opportunity to experience it. I feel the same, but I think you should buy a section. <laughs> <laughs> if you have 250 seats in a section, then you can
1: invite 249 of your friends and rotate. But no, Rick is a great, great fan. And you know he started their Facebook page yeah, right. up to about 600 or so. And I could be wrong. The Jackal Den is what it's called. And you know, he's taken it upon himself to kind of help build that community. They had a watch party for the finals. You know, they got together at a local establishment. So that's how you build this. You build it. And then all of a sudden you're part of a community. You start to meet new people. So now you have a, you know, you have a responsibility to that community, just like your family. You can't, like, not come home for Christmas, right? That's your family. <laughs> like, like So you're in this community and you don't just leave because you're not happy. You just, you know, And then people expect you to be there. And the quid pro quo is every Saturday, whatever the games are going to be, the Jackals' den are going to sit together and there's going to be 600 of them in that section. And they're going to set the tone for all the new fans that don't really know what's going on. And that's what it's all about.
0: Excellent. I love it. And on that tone... I wanted to be able to throw it back at you, though, George, as we do each and every show with our guests, It's traditional, we give them a moment to send a shout out to somebody important, maybe draw attention to a cause that they think is worthy. Any thoughts that you might want to share now?
1: Yeah, I mean, I forgot about that, so I did not prepare anything. What I will tell you is uh, these 12 owners, and we have 12 owners and we have 13 teams, are about as dug in to this thing that I've ever seen. Financially, it's not a great thing today. You know, these teams are losing money, mostly this last year too, when you can't sell tickets and all the things we already talked about. But the DNA of the rugby fan and, and these owners, that all every one of them played the game. You know, so they, they have that in their DNA. They are as steadfast as a group that I've ever seen. And when you have a, a group like that, that's why it's important who you let in next it has got to fit in well and, and have that same gusto for this. But... You know, Hammer, I look at a guy like Tim Falcon, like he's he he is just so high on my list as a person, as an owner. You know, he sees it. He knows he's been through some of the hard stuff, so he doesn't get flustered, for example, just using one of them in particular. Um, Just a great group. And I I give them really all the credit because they're the ones writing the checks.
0: Fantastic. love it. You know, it's uh, setting that that solid foundation and every partner plays uh, their role. So, once again, I wanted to be able to take the opportunity to remind you that you've been watching another great run parcel kick in you, this time around with Mr. George Killebrew himself, Commissioner to Major League Rugby. It has been enlightening. We've spoken about some of the great challenges, how they've overcome the excitement around the draft. So, make sure you follow us under the handle at Rugby Rant Pod to catch all the action in the upcoming episode where we will be covering the, the draft live and a watch along experience experience. experience for you as the fan to give you an even more in-depth study of the players and the ongoings there around this rugby attainment event. George, you have been phenomenal once again. You always promised to deliver and you delivered one more time. On behalf of the fans, we certainly thank you for all your effort, your team, your staff, the players, and all those in the organizations out there that help bring professional rugby to the North American landscape. You truly are great servants of rugby, and we know that everybody out there truly appreciates it. So, again, thank you.
1: Thank you, Ty. Thanks, Hammer. Pleasure being on. We'll see you. I guess we'll see you three days before the next season we yeah. got to make a
0: tradition you know, out of this.
2: You <laughs> know, you're always welcome. You always I, I, I
0: will book that in now. <laughs> <laughs> George, it has been wonderful. Again, thank you. And to our fans, thank you for watching another episode here on the Run Parcel Kick Interviews with your team from the Rugby Rand. My name is Ty Braga. On behalf of Rob the Hammer Hammer Schmidt and Mr. George Killabrew we'll see you at the next.